Hello, I'm Stuart Childs and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. 2022 has flown by and we're heading into conference season. While the Chagas Dairy conferences over the last few years have been online due to COVID, we're delighted to be back on the road again this year with conferences in the Rochestown Park in Cork and the Mullingar Park in Westmead. The opportunity to meet attendees face-to-face as well as the opportunity for attendees to meet one another is to be welcomed. We have a very topical lineup this year, and I spoke to Joe Patton, Head of Dairy Knowledge Transfer, to preview this year's events. We were very conscious, obviously, with, with such volatility, I suppose, from price and a cost point of view uh, f- for dairy markets, um, that we, we want to get a view from the industry, really, in, in sort of the short and the medium term. So really looking at where the pressure points are for, for supply and demand in, internationally, and uh, that will come from our, our, our process, process representatives. So, you know, obviously, <laughs> this is a big question on everybody's mind in terms of our milk prices at the moment. What, what's it likely to do over the over the next period of time? I suppose we will be, there'll be an element of that in the in the conference, but also, I suppose, to understand what the drivers of, of that uh, actually are likely to be uh, over the over the medium term, I suppose. Another part of that session is from the from the Food Safety Authority, from from Dr. Mary Flynn would be presenting at that, and that's looking at really the the value and the place that dairy products has uh, on an ongoing basis for in, in terms of human nutrition. So, I'm sure lots of our our listeners are well used to hearing about maybe the alternatives to to dairy products and how do, how those are maybe. You know, competing for market share, if you like. But you know, we have to. We have sometimes. I think it's important that we recognise and we remind ourselves of the the quality of the product that we're we're producing on farms. And uh, Mary Flynn will take it, take a look at that in terms of what it actually means for the for the human diet. So I think that'll be of interest to a lot of our to a lot of our attendees. So I suppose the two of those um, papers really are going to be addressing kind of what are the future demands going to be on farmers maybe or yeah. being, making people aware of what's coming down the tracks that we're going to have to adapt to. Sure, exactly. I don't, that's that's part of it too. So like when we speak to our, we speak regularly obviously to our um, to, to our processors and look at what they can see like what what is the um what is the demand from the market like so it's obviously for for high quality hygienic product and and high highly high high nutritional value product as well but are there other things as well that um you know are there other things as well that are is being demanded from the market in terms of you know sort of non non nutritional stuff like sustainability measures etc a lot of those kind of things are uh, becoming more important in terms of how our product is viewed or how our product is marketed internationally so we we we'll, we will be asking the question really at the conferences what what are those things likely to be into the future and what does that mean for how farmers run their business and uh, what do they have to take account of uh, to meet those targets as well you know okay very good so i suppose if we look back on 2022 um while it's been a small bit of a challenging year in terms of grass growth looking at figures that michal o'leary has produced there in recent times uh, and maybe that was only in certain parts of the country there are some positives that can be taken from it and one of those would be the 14% reduction in chemical nitrogen usage and the other big positive I suppose is the upsurge in the drive for Clover Incorporation. Session 2 is looking to build on that I suppose into 2023 so what exactly can people expect to hear from Deirdre Hennessy and Mike Deneen uh, on the day? That's well put Stuart in terms of where the 
you know, where the where the where the sort of the environment has got to from from a nitrogen point of view. There's certainly been a lot of interest in the in establishment of clover and management of clover, and we would have seen that across the year, as you say, through the through the, through the workshop events done around the country and things like the Ballyhays Open Day this year and and the Johnston Open Day focused a lot actually on on clover establishment and management. So really, what they're just going to look at there is around the question of nitrogen strategy on clover swords and what the research actually says about that in terms of the timing and the rates of nitrogen application when clover is being established or has been established. And I think it is important to say that, that, you know, where, where, where clover has a benefit from a, from a, from a, from a climate point of view is the fact that it's, it has the capacity to, to offset the change in chemical end. So if we, if we don't get a change in, if we don't get a change in, in, in fertilizer input, we don't get the value of clover, obviously. So really what Deirdre wants to outline there is based on a lot of, a lot of research over a number of years. Like what is the, like what are, what's the bottom line basically on nitrogen strategy um, while establishing and, and after you've established your clover source, what does the, what does the research actually say? So there's a, there's always a good bit of debate around that actually. And we could see that in the, the farm walks this year as to what the right thing to do is so they're to try and plot a, a practical um a practical outline for, for that in terms of what mike will cover then i suppose um look at i think it's a benefit really when you think about it that the the the, the clover sword itself and the higher clover swords um they do have potential benefits from a from a nutritional point of view in terms of their high quality maybe their fiber is a bit lower uh, they get better intakes if if, if well managed so there's there, there could be benefits there from a from um from from an animal performance point of view as well. So Mike wants to take a look at that as to if you take clover as a feed, and I think sometimes we haven't really talked much about that as actually clo grass clover swords as an actual feed. What does it what does it look like in terms of its quality, and what can we expect from an intake point of view? And also maybe as well to align to that is you know what. what you know, in terms of supplementation at different times of the year, like what's sensible in terms of what what milks can that those swords support, and where can where can um, where can supplement be used most effectively and maybe reduced in a lot of cases. So that's where where Mike will 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 go with it. So taking you know taking it as a taking clover as a feed actually, and seeing what what that looks like, and I suppose also. And importantly, within <clears throat> within that within that section, we will be hearing from uh, from from a dairy farmer from both in both in both locations. Actually, we have two we have two dairy farmers who have been um, who have been establishing and working with clover in the in in the field over the last number of years. So Michael Gowan in Cork and and Sean O'Donnell in, in 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 from Mayo, but in the Westmead section, he will he will cover that. Uh, and I think that's always very important to hear that you know the research is one thing, but the practical application of it on the ground is another. And and we will hear from from those two two guys in terms of what how it has worked for them, where the challenges have been, and 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 some maybe the benefits they've seen for their farms as well. So that's very important to hear from the hear the message from 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 people working out on the ground. You know. So I suppose Joe, moving on to the third session, then I suppose um, we're only two to two and a half months away from a real pinch point in Irish dairy farms, uh, when we're expecting somewhere in the region of one point six million calves to be born. Dealing with that puts pressure on farmers, but it also puts particular pressure on facilities because obviously we only need these facilities for a shorter period of time or that's the perception that people can often have. 
Um, the other big pressure point, I suppose, in relation to calf welfare, and while the calf welfare on Irish farms is very, very good, uh, for the most part, it must be pointed out, Emer is going to be talking about key elements of this. So some people might say that this has been covered a bit down through the last number of years, um, the subject of and uh, and been the subject of the annual calf care events and so forth as well. Is there a particular reason why we've chosen to look at this again? In such detail, it's a topic exactly that um, you might say we've we've covered a bit before, sure. But uh, on the other hand, there's a couple of new new things to be talked about here, really, as well. Is that particularly maybe around the the breeding side of things and and the capacity now, maybe with extra sex semen uh, available and in high EBI sex semen available, uh, and maybe you know an inter- a growing interest maybe in in in, in dairy calf to beef. So there's there, there's a message there around breeding in terms of um, you know, when we have more herds maybe approaching, certainly slowing down in terms of the rate of growth and maybe approaching stability in numbers, like what is our, you know, what's the message for those for those herds in terms of the capacity to produce um, a calf with a bit uh, an improved beef merit? Now, obviously, you know, we, we know that calving difficulty and gestation are uh, are, are one of the, the real measures that, that, that dairy farmers will look for, given that a lot of the beef calves will be born at the end of a long season or at the end of, a, of an intense season, I should say. Uh, we don't want problems with, with calving difficulty. That would be counterproductive. But there is capacity there maybe to change. Um, there is capacity to change in terms of what, what beef sires are used. So that's that's an element that, that needs a bit of discussion. In terms of from where Emer's coming from then in terms of management and housing guidelines, I think, look, um, we, we, we sort of... We've covered that quite a bit in the in in the past, but I think it it does bear repeating. I think it's a it's a good um it's it's a good practical and a good honest look at it in in advance of the season uh, coming in. So uh, I think there has been great progress uh, made actually in terms of calf welfare and calf management, particularly around the messages around colostrum um uh, have been very strong over the last over the last number of years. But we probably also do need to bring in you know just revise in terms of where our guidelines are for housing. If if it if it arrives or if it does happen that we have to hold calves for a bit longer for whatever reason, uh, do we have the space um, and have we got capacity uh, to do that? It's it's good for people to have the numbers and the the messages around that. So really, the, the management and the feeding guidelines are important to, to to revise them at this time of the year. And I suppose where the novelty comes in is can we actually you know is it feasible and can we look at improving the beef merit while controlling uh, calving difficulty as well those are the main points so again similar to the um similar to the to the to the nitrogen session in the morning we will have um we'll have we'll have dairy farmers along to talk about what they have done in that space so Liam Liam Long in 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 um in the Cork session and Peter Robinson in the in the Westmead session will give their perspective on what they're doing around you know making sure to have calf health and welfare excellent and also how that helps them market their calves better and maybe what they've been doing in terms of dairy beef as well that's that's an important um it's an important thing it sounds like an old message I suppose, but there's, you know, it 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 is important that we we um we we look at that in the in the new context of maybe extra extra sex semen as you say, and maybe the need to 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 be prepared if you like for for maybe having the whole calves for a bit longer. That's that's where we would see that. And I suppose Joe, in the in the context of the switch to the dairy beef, as you spoke about there, Alan Toomey isn't a name that people might be overly familiar with, but Alan has a lot of work done in that area, and there'll be some good information to hear from. From that in relation to the calving ease, as you emphasised earlier, being such a key trait for dairy farmers, but how does that impact on, on the sure. actual beef animal subsequently? And Alan has a lot of work done in that area. 
Sure, and look as we, as we've seen in the last week or so, there is revision and change on the in terms of the 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 beef indices, and they've become uh, more aligned. I would say now that the, the beef indexes are, are 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 more aligned, and there's good information coming through. I think it's one thing that. Alan has emphasised a lot speaking to him over the last while is that we always take we always take that um, calving ease and per, and lower beef merit calves are kind of they go hand in hand but there are bulls there that are outliers in that that have relatively good calving traits but good beef traits as well and as Alan always points out it's the outliers that have those traits that we're looking for. And that's the kind of bulls that we were trying to identify uh, for for the dairy herd. So if we look at it this way, if if dairy farmers can have bulls that don't have any negative effects on calf and difficulty, but produce a better quality calf, then it it makes it makes good sense to go in that direction. And that's really where that's where Alan's uh, research and Alan's focus has been. So it'll be interesting to hear from him on that. Okay, so then for the final session, Joe, we're going to kind of broaden out the broaden it a bit wider, I suppose, and cover a, a couple of different topics in short couple of papers um you mentioned earlier how obviously uh costs have increased quite significantly in 2022 now obviously prices have gone up sufficiently to cover off that cost but uh what can people expect to hear from adrian and james in relation to benchmarking of dairy costs and kpis for 2023 yeah i suppose yes short on on our last session we're going with short and sweet really uh, sections there so a number of short papers uh, because obviously we're getting into the as some of the lads said to me getting into the graveyard shift at that stage in the day so we want to keep it short and snappy and get some get some real practical messages out so James and Adrian have been looking at projecting where costs are likely to go in terms of that's whole let's say holding um holding input levels the same, but looking at where the difference in costs might be for, uh, for 23 versus 22. So like, obviously, um, <clears throat> you know, people have spoken an awful lot, maybe at the start of this year about the, about the increase in costs, particularly around fertilizer, fuel and feed. Uh, but as you say, the, the milk price has, has balance that to some extent but i think that a focus on the cost base and where that's going it, it's very very important to to um to keep a focus on the cost base because as we know that costs even even in a, even in this situation you know still cost per liter is one of the main predictors of 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 economic margin on farms so we have to we'll be interested to see where their projected costs are and Importantly, as well, not just the average cost, but the, the range in cost that's seen on farms and what maybe what maybe causes that range in, in cost. So that will be a that will be an interesting session to to hear from, I think. And then I suppose Pavlo is going to be looking at cell count, which has actually been creeping up a little bit on the national level. There is he going to have all the answers for people to start creeping? <laughs> well, he's he's. I was speaking to him earlier. Actually, he he's um he he certainly looked. There's some some interesting stuff there. Like for example, you know, obviously selective dry cows in people's minds around. Um, does it work or does it not work? And Pablo will say, you know, well, it kind of depends on what herd you're using it on and what the practices are in those herds. So that's interesting to see where what management practices actually are, how they're impacting on somatic cell count. So I think it's important to say that, you know, there are herds there are herds that are that are practicing this is not all about selective dry cow it's about really about the management around control and cell count so for example the, the the quality of um the quality of cubicle beds and the quality and quantity of housing available 
how heifers are managed is a very important one. So like Pablo is identifying that for selectation or freshly calved heifers actually are a significant risk factor for mastitis on, on Irish herds, which is quite different maybe than the international experience actually. So what are we, how are we managing heifers pre-calving is one of the big things for, for mastitis control, believe it or not. And then, you know, building up then towards where we're at in terms of using records. So it's not only about selective dry cow, but there's some big, big ticket management items there that we need to look at as well. And Pablo has a few interesting thoughts on that. So I suppose 2022 will be remembered as a year of when we signed up to our climate objectives and so forth. And look, there's a lot of talk about methane, obviously. Ben has been working on this with a good number of years now. The green feeds are here outside the offices in Moor Park all the time. Uh, looking at the influence of different feeds on pasture-based systems. He's going to talk about methane mitigation strategies as a whole in pasture-based dairy systems. What's the purpose of that, I suppose, just to give people a bit of confidence or to give people a bit of information? Or Well, it's like all these things, I suppose, Stuart, is that the, the, the important thing is that we get, you know, it's very difficult to cut something until you measure it. And I suppose what Ben wants to do is outline, you know, sort of the pattern and the profile of methane production or methane um, methane emissions from, from pasture systems. And there's some nice information there in terms of maybe that the, the methane output mightn't just be quite what we what we would have originally believed or originally have measured it as being or, or assumed it to be. So he has profiled methane production over the over the course of grazing seasons. And it is linked actually to to pasture quality, which is interesting. So that you know you would say that you know two cows eating two different swords might actually have different levels of methane emissions and that's important to 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 show so i suppose look to be honest like a lot of the discussion a lot of the talk around methane mitigation is really focused on product and focused on additives he'll mention a bit about that but there's more to it than that i suppose there's the genetic element in it and then there's the pasture quality element as well so he will just give a feel for where the where the research currently stands what's the what are the the things that are sort of most cost neutral, if you like, or most beneficial that farmers could potentially do in the next few years to make a difference? And then maybe have some commentary then and maybe all the story around the different additives as well, because, you know, it's, they're very keen and very, very keen to make the point that it's, it's not just an additive story. There's a question of, you know, measuring the differences in pasture quality and also maybe the differences in genetics as well. So there's not, it's not just simply down to, a magic bullet, if you like, in terms of an additive, there's a bit more to it. So Ben will give a, a good bit of a, 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 a tour around that sort of stuff. And I think that's important that, that dairy farmers will understand and the industry to understand what's what's feasible in that space, I think. So that's what that's Ben's job for the day. Well, yeah, for, for his short period to try and get that whole big ticket item dealt with. But I think um, it'll be an interesting, an interesting talk, I think. Very good. And then the last one, then John Upton is going to have the challenge of keeping people uh, sharp for the last session yeah. to, to keep their keep their keep a hold of them. But it is it's a good good focus. Uh, like as I said earlier, the calves they create a demand for help and time. Um, John is going to be looking at labour efficiency in relation to milking because that, look, obviously that counts for 35 percent of all work done on dairy farms is around milking and so forth. So we'll say he's looking at milking routine and facilities uh, and he did a fairly sizable study there last year uh, on how that affects labour efficiency. What can we expect to see come from that, I suppose, and does it have a big bearing? So John is, yeah, John is the, the, the link man at the, at the end of the whole thing. So John is talking about milking and he's standing between people and milking, I suppose, <laughs> at, the very, at the very end of the conference. But as he said himself, he says, if people are leaving at half three to go milking, he'd be happy enough. 
he'd be happy enough if that's why they're leaving. Uh, so look at I think John's study was a was very interesting one actually that you know milking routine and milking facilities it's it's as he said himself it's amazing that the variation like on on you know the variation in the in on farms between you know, two farms, let's say, with a 20-unit parlour, for example, or a 12-unit parlour or whatever, they can get very, very different outcomes in terms of labour efficiency. So whether that's routine, whether it's, you know, the facilities, whether it's automation, the collecting yard and drafting and cow flow are big parts of that as well. So what John wants to do is just give some, some indications as to, well, you know, what are the things to focus on if you want to get your, if you want to get more cows per hour done and milked cleanly and correctly through the parlor what are the things you need to look out for for that so he's compared as well the different types of milking machine but i think maybe part of what's interesting there is actually because most people are going to be working with what they have Stuart so mm. what can you do within that is uh, to improve efficiency is what that's a big part of it but he has some nice comparisons of different milking systems as well uh, which is part of it too so look that's very practical I suppose um, you'd be very conscious too that because milking happens every day twice a day you kind of get into the habit and you get into a routine um, and it, everybody's routine kind of evolves differently but maybe some you know, maybe some practices are very, very good and maybe some bad habits have crept in as well. And it takes it takes a, a second look, I suppose, to identify some of them. So John is looking to save people a bit of time by pointing out a few things that they could change for their own benefit. And that's really what that session is about or that, that paper is about. And I suppose it's worth pointing out that this is actual real life research as opposed to... Oh, yeah, this is all this is all farms, like it's all yeah. on farm stuff. And like, I mean, he did a great job there in terms of monitoring and putting, you know, basically putting sensors and cameras and all sorts into parlours to, to sort of measure what was happening on farms rather, you know, because I suppose we've, we've done it in the past. We've asked people, you know, about their milking practices and it seems everybody starts milking at seven o'clock and five o'clock. But when you go measuring, uh, it, it can be very different. So um, I think that's that's the good part. He has good on-farm data and left a good picture and a good story to tell. So we'll be looking forward to hearing from John on that. Very good. Excellent, Joe. So I suppose that you, you've given a good bit of detail in relation to what people can expect, but obviously people need to turn up to get the, the real uh, information. So will you just fill, fill us in there just before you finish up? Um, when when can people attend this conference? It's the 6th of December in uh, Rochester Park in Cork, and that's the Tuesday. And then Thursday, the 8th of December uh, in Mullingar uh, Park Hotel in County Westmead. So the 6th and the 8th are the two dates. Um, and you'll see the details anywhere on the, the just chagas.ie dairy conference will get you the get you the details and the, the booking is online as well. So uh, we'll give you the dinner as well, sure, as part of it. So not so bad. Can, you can book up to the day. The early board is, is, is so get in there get in there quickly and, and get a get it um for it for a few good left yeah that's it all right joe all thanks right. very much very good thank, thank you, you. sure that's all for this week's episode of the dairy edge podcast and my thanks to joe Patton for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on apple and google podcasts as well as spotify and for more information go to the chagas website at chagas.ie i'm Stuart childs and join me next time for your dairy edge